The Spanish Announce Table. It is episode 408 of the Spanish Announce Table, and that's a lot of episodes. So you know us by now. No sense in going over that. And uh, I, I didn't do shit all that would be new and exciting to tell you folks about. Tom, you? Yes, you did. What we did? did something pretty exciting. We just launched our first oh, yeah. store on pro wrestling tees. So please buy a shirt. We have got such a great reaction from the design of the shirts that we have ourselves that I, I mean, Tim, what has it been six, seven years that we've had this logo and people have been like, where'd you get the shirt? Where'd you get the shirt? And I'm like, Hey, listen to the podcast. But they're like, yeah, that's cool. But where'd you get the shirt? Well, now go to pro wrestling tees, search Spanish announce table, and you mm-hmm. yourself can get a shirt as well. So <laughs> yeah, really happy with uh finally getting on pro wrestling tees it was a goal of ours for many of time and we finally got, we got it there. thanks to the hard work of tim pro wrestling slash spanish announce table it is that simple also you can go to spanish check out all the things there you can watch this live with us also on our youtube of course that's where it's housed uh do all those things right hit us up on twitter at table show while twitter still exists uh, when it doesn't exist, find us on the TikTok at Spanish Announce Table. Um, you know, Tom, I- I'm excited. And most importantly, buy a shirt. You know, buy a shirt helps us out. It's 20 bucks. Like, we're not making a lot of money off this. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, this isn't, like, going to make us rich. It's just going to be a thank you for us. When we say give us a dollar and donate, this is how you can get something and do that. Yeah, and again, we've just heard such a great reaction to the to the logo design that we figured here's your opportunity to have it yourselves. High quality t-shirt, you can get it in a tank top, you can get it in that soft cotton that uh, a lot of the people like. I I think I got mine in a soft cotton that's coming in the mail as we speak. So uh, again, very excited. You should be seeing also more designs. Uh, don't be shocked if you have uh, a shirt up there that says pro wrestling is in a sport or something like that. We've got a lot of one-liners here at the show. So we, those could become t-shirts. Let us know if there is a t-shirt design uh, that you want from us and maybe we'll put it up there as well. So yeah, pro wrestling tees.com uh, slash Spanish announce table, or go to pro wrestling tees.com and then search Spanish announce table. Both ways get you to the right destination. Tim mm-hmm. outside of that new news uh let's get into last night's aw dynamite first off before we kind of break it down segment by segment overall what'd you think i i thought this was a good episode of dynamite i think for a while we've been kind of like yeah these happened they weren't the best but they weren't terrible and i think this was a little better than that so i'm getting excited for where we're going on some of these stories and as we usually break these down one by one we'll dive further into them of course but i'm excited to talk about it yeah, and we started off with a bang. Uh, we had a, a eight-man tag. There's my math. We had an eight-man tag. It was Swerve in our glory and the Guns, a.k.a. the Ass Boys, taking on your AEW Tag Team Champions, the Acclaimed, with the team that has all the other belts, FTR. And, man, we got right to it. Before the match even started, Billy Gunn said, hey, I remember what Swerve did to me, sprinted down there like using a track meet, double leg Swerve, starts taking it to him, you know, five across his lip, uh, and then he gets kicked out. I like that aspect because it makes sense that if someone kidnaps you and then you know at a future date you both will be in the same building, you will want to fight that person. So uh, how would you think about Billy Gunn kind of jumping the gun 
and attacking Swerve before we even got the match started. I, too, thought that's very realistic. I kind of wondered, you know, I, I know we did the Billy Gunn birthday bash, and that was about Billy Gunn and not about Swerve. Mm-hmm. However, I thought, why is he not angry? Why is he not trying to find Swerve and beating his ever-loving ass? Uh, you know, notwithstanding he's wrapped up in bandages, so maybe that's a reason. But I liked this. I thought, hell yeah, go get him, right? Again, that's it's a thing we all want to root for. Somebody kidnapped somebody and busted their fingers up, we'd root for that person to go kick that person's ass. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you want to stay in kayfabe, it would make sense that Billy Gunn might say to himself, hey, I'm going to take a week to recover. Now I feel good, so now I'm going to take the opportunity to try to beat up Swerve because, again, he kidnapped me and injured my hand somehow. Again, we don't know how or what he did, but that's not important. The other thing I liked about this eight-man tag is a lot of the stories meshing and kind of bumping into each other. So you had Swerve and Our Glory. First thing I noticed there, Swerve and Our Glory comes out. It's always Swerve first, then Keith Lee second. For as long as I can remember that this tag team's been a tag team, Swerve comes out first, Keith Lee comes out, they do a little fist bump, and then they walk to the ring. They did not do that this time. Thought that was interesting. Maybe causing still some bigger rifts between uh, Swerve and Keith Lee. Who knows? Maybe Keith Lee seeds to the dark side and joins Swerve as a heel. Could see that. But then they're bumping into the gun club who also wanted to be the champs, but kind of want to go after FTR. But the biggest one was after they cleared the ring, FTR and the acclaim looking at each other saying, we're going to eventually do this, right? And that was interesting that they were able to coexist during this matchup, ends up picking up the victory, but it also has that tension. So we're still a week away from full gear. It is advertised Swerve in Our Glory versus the Acclaimed. I guess one I'll say, uh, or one I'll ask, do you think we still get that matchup? I kind of still maybe don't think so. Uh, and two, what do you think about FTR, the Acclaimed? <laughs> Do you want to see that matchup? That is the the part that's kind of getting lost for me is that I don't really know that I'm not too bought in on who's going to win these tag team championships out of this whole story. I'm more focused in on what is going to happen with Swerve and Keith Lee, right? It's kind of taken that on, and FTR feels really out of place, and so does the acclaimed outside of their kind of the – the setting for this to take place between Keith Lee and Swerve. So yeah. Yeah. I'm just kind of left with a little bit of apathy other than for the Swerve and Keith Lee aspect. I guess, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I kept thinking that we're going to see Swerve break up and then FTR would say, Hey, if there's an opportunity, we'll take it. See at the pay-per-view acclaimed. But now that I'm kind of thinking it through, as we read through uh, what happened last night, one thing, that I think I need to still consider is December 10th, I believe it is. And again, we don't fact check. Uh, we will have a ring of honor pay-per-view. So I think we'll still keep this matchup of Swerve in our glory versus the acclaim for full gear. And then I think we're going to see the ass boys taking on FTR for the ring of honor championships. Now what happens there? We'll see when it, when it happens. But um, yeah, I kept thinking that we we're going to get a swerve pun intended mm-hmm. uh, and then the switch up of the matchup we've been wanting because i don't know about you but the third time seeing the acclaim taking on the ftr 
at a big event, you know, a pay-per-view, then, a you know, one of those specialty dynamite shows. And then now another pay-per-view, I don't know in the rich tradition of AW tag teams where they've had young bucks and FTR and best friends and Santana and RT, all these Lucha bros, all of this stuff that a three peat between swerve in our glory and the acclaimed is the, the pinnacle for AW tag team wrestling. That's why I kept thinking there was going to be a switch here, but maybe I'm jumping the gun. Maybe. All right, let's move on to after the acclaimed and FTR pick up the victory, we get MJF, MJF talking about the firm on Pardon My Take. And Tim, a lot of great things happened on this episode, as, as we're obviously going to talk about. Uh, good in-ring action, very solid promo work from almost everyone involved. But I thought this specifically was the chef's kiss of the week as far as how to do plug of someone else and showing that you're big time and still getting your shit in to do a pardon my take because we've seen for as long as wrestling's been around hey wwe's mentioned in sports illustrated wwe's mentioned in forbes aw's mentioned on tnt uh nba on tnt all that stuff you know this is the way to do it because it was a promo that was meant for us but it was on pardon my take so we got exposed to pardon my take if you don't know what it is the pardon my take crowd gets exposed to a new wrestling promotion that they've never heard of in AEW, And then again, the best promo probably in all of pro wrestling MJF knocks it out of the park. So what yeah. did you think of this segment? Yeah. Again, it's interesting to see somebody um, like do kind of like you said here, do the, um, the pardon my take um, interview as opposed to just, uh, you know, like doing a in-ring promo or doing a backstage promo. And it, it honestly kind of, at first, I think that's what made me take more notice, right? Because again, we run the risk of this MJF promo after MJF promo after MJF promo. They're so good. It's kind of like NFL reference, watching Patrick Mahomes. He's so amazing that you're just kind of like, right? He'll be able to like, run around the side of, of the best defensive tackle in football, spin, fling it sideways under his left leg to a wide-open receiver and will win the game with two seconds left. Like, that's just become expected. So we expect that with MJF, uh, much like Patrick Mahomes, two of the greatest to ever do it in their mm -hmm. respective things. And so that made me take notice. And, man, I, I don't know how much angst – MJF has swallowed over the years in his personal life to be able to to draw these emotions and just connect everything as though everything we've watching has been part of the MJF backstory his whole entire life. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Before you comment on that, we are having some sort of weird glitchy issues. It's saying we're getting a stream buffering rate. So if you're watching live and this is choppy, I'm doing what I can to try to fix it now. If not, I'll put up the uh, the clean recording later. And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast, SpanishDownsTable.net, for those links. Uh, but anyway, Tom, tell me your thoughts on this MJF promo. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. To your point, what, what you said where everything in the backstory seems to be going right into this title match, which if we're breaking kayfabe and you read all the dirt sheets, it was meant for MJF versus CM Punk. And now we've pivoted to MJF versus John Moxley. 
but staying in storyline, it doesn't feel that way. Him and Eddie Kingston are two of the ones where it, again, I think Eddie King, Kingston does it a little bit better. There has been some moments where MJF kind of is in no man's land and then ignites a new story where Eddie Kingston seems like it always is flowing, but that's splitting hairs. Getting back on track, MJF, yeah, uses all of this stuff to then make sense of the current situation he's in. So he wants to become the champion and he wants to have his moment. And if you do look at his career, it has been at the biggest times that it should be all about him. Something else has overshadowed it. As he mentioned, the very first pay-per-view match he has with the big program with Cody. Everyone talks about that horrendous neck tattoo that Cody got. Then you go to MJF taking on John Moxley during the pandemic. Unfortunately, Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara have that match where Matt Hardy gets concussed and then they still let him go, which is still concerning. And then obviously the thing that most recently happened, he returns and we're talking about CM Punk throwing a hissy fit. So it was very cool how he added that angle to this match where he's saying like, finally, not only is it my time, which is a pro wrestling trope that we've heard since the dawn of time, your time's past. It's my time's now. John Cena said it. Everyone said it. Right. But it makes the, Hey, no, seriously, I'm tired of the shit I've been dealing with, with all this other stuff at full gear. I'm getting mine and everyone's going to be looking at me at the end of the night. I really like that. Uh, and to your point, it added a different feel where he's sitting doing a podcast again, the biggest sports podcast, which I don't think that's actually true, but whatever. Um, pardon my take a barstool sports uh production so you're getting the synergy with that um yeah and so it was captivating now i mentioned it the thing i think everyone talked about because who they said the thing uh mjf mentions the press conference what do you think about mjf mentioning the press conference do you think that will lead to anything or is that just a fun line to get us excited I yeah, I don't think it's going to lead to anything. I don't think we're getting the CM Punk returns like you uh, you brought. Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. It's a million percent going to happen, but it may not happen at full gear. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. I no. I think that was just. I think that was just him being like, "Look, yet again, my spot comes up, and something else takes the spotlight." And like, God damn it! So I think it was just more. It was like, this happened, this happened, this happened, and then most recently, the biggest thing, I finally show back up, and the biggest thing to happen in pro wrestling, you know, backstage, you know, oh my gosh, what happened in fucking 20 years happens. Great, right? Like, so, I think that's where he was kind of headed with that. I will say, uh, Wardlow would like to have a word as far as being overshadowed, because uh, the biggest match in Wardlow's career should have been him uh, dethroning MJF. And all we could talk about has, is how MJF might not even show up to the damn paper. Yeah, so yeah. before you give me your fucking sob story, MJF, let's not act like you haven't done the same shit that Punk and all these other people have done as well. Right. Anyhow, let me go down this other kind of conspiracy theory with you here. Okay. So that was a great promo. Felt a little baby face. Also, very much like a couple weeks ago where it was MJF, as I felt, cosplaying as a baby face, felt 
some tones there as well, right? Some, this is my time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the, he says, I'm going to be the flag bearer for AEW, which is a different tone he's taken previous to every other mention of AEW where it's the war of 2024 or whatever. So after the commercial break, we get a quick video package from one Stokely Hathaway. And he's cutting down MJF. And he has a line in there where uh, the biggest crime is uh, oh, dick I have it. riding. Oh, hold yeah. on. It's, it's right here. It's- the worst crime you can commit is dick riding without a license. <laughs> right? <laughs> I so, mean, uh, hey, what's a worse crime? I can't think of it. I, I mean, we can ask Chris Jericho's wife, but, you know. So my my conspiracy theory, though, is MJF cuts that promo, but then Stokely Hathaway has to say something back to MJF. Are we still getting the firm and MJF was all in it together? Because one other thing I'll point out, MJF mentioned, oh, I'm not there because the beating that the firm gave me I can't travel. I can come to your podcast, but I can't travel to whatever city AEW's in this week, right? So, I know, again, we have one more week of storytelling. The go-home show is next week. And we'll get to predictions, so you don't feel like this is, you know, gun to your head and this is what you have to stay to. But do you think we see the double down on the heel, MJF, or we get the full babyface turn from MJF. I hope we get the double down on the heel because he's the best to ever do it. I mean, you know, we can argue about best to ever do it, but mm-hmm. he's the best right now doing that mm-hmm. without question in my mind. I don't know who you're going to argue uh, otherwise. And I mean, yes, we all love him for that but I don't know that we're ready to cheer for him. Remember how many times you've heard Steve Austin in the podcast era mention the fans were not ready to boo me at that moment, Mm -hmm. right? When Mm -hmm. I turn and that was the mistake. I don't know if the fans are really ready to cheer MJF. We'll cheer the asshole because we're like, yeah, fuck that. Like we, you know, we want to be an asshole, but like if he's going to be a face, Man, the only way it works if is if he remains that level of an asshole and that kind of he always found a way to make it where you couldn't even be like, yeah, right? You'd be like, dude, don't say that. What? Mm-hmm. Can't say that. So, yeah. I I haven't seen anybody be so effective at being a heel since like Bully Ray maybe, right? Like where just they can say anything in that ring and get the crowd turned back to booing the shit out. So, I hope we get the heel but uh, hell man who knows i don't know i would say if they're gonna go baby face he needs to find something very much like the acclaimed found scissoring where the acclaimed was another act where cheap local hometown heat but then would also be topical and cut down whatever famous person fell on their face or you know whatever election stuff but as you saw with their rap earlier in the night They still did that, but now, because they're in Boston, they're talking shit on Tom Brady, right? Because Tom Brady left the New England Patriots, so fuck that guy. So it's still cutting down someone, but now I'm cutting down the people that this crowd fucking hates, so isn't that great? 
I just don't know with how MJF has always done his heel work and how he's cut down. The, the one that I always think of is Cincinnati when Brian Pillman Jr. and the city of Cincinnati got eviscerated on AEW Dynamite. I just don't know how he could do that and be that entertaining, but then cheer me. So yeah, it's going to be I difficult. Agree with you. Tom, I, I'm honestly touched uh, in the chat here on the YouTube. We've got, um, let me read this here, see what you think of it. Girls18.online says, my hot photo here. I just, wow. I can't. I mean, nobody's ever said anything. Nobody's ever said anything so nice to me. (laughs) Well, it's just the words of a genius. The words of a genius. So you too can get in the chat of our live stream that is apparently choppy for some reason that I can't figure out. Remember to watch this back later, but you can still use hashtag tweet the table and chat with us that way, right? There's all many ways we want you to be our wrestling friend, even. Well, maybe not girls 18 online, <laughs> maybe not them, but anyway, uh, MJF can't be our friend, right? Isn't that where we were kind of basically? I kind of feel that? like so. So, but what do you think the Stokely Hathaway, hey, MJF, why are you dick riding with John Moxley? <laughs> where, where does that play in? So, okay, can I touch on that? Sure. This is why AEW is better than WWE because as you're watching the show, or maybe, you know, kind of half watching the show or doing whatever. I can guarantee you, you're not going to hear somebody come out of nowhere with be like, well, he's dick riding this guy. <laughs> like everybody knows you can't dick ride. God damn it. Um, it's, it's just that kind of realness, but also mm-hmm. just that sort of like how you can push the envelope in 2022. Right. Uh, yeah. I just, that one just made me instantly have, I'm more tied to Stokely Hathaway now. Right. It was, it was endearing is, <laughs> is. The worst crime you can commit is dick riding without a license. Where do you get a license? You don't know? I, I don't <laughs> dick ride. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. dick ride, so. No. Shit, I've been doing it without a license all these years. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway. So, yeah, I just don't know where the firm plays into this because the firm actually is a mid-card heel faction that gets some wins as we would see in our next segment, uh, the first round of the world title eliminator tournament, Ethan page of the firm taking on God's favorite wrestler, Eddie Kingston, the greatest wrestler in the world. I'll fight you over it. I'm telling the truth. You're not. Uh, and Ethan page gets the victory here. Did the razor's edge, which I forget what he calls it. The Ethan's widow peak or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but from the top rope on Eddie Kingston, who is a broken man. I love Eddie Kingston. One of the endearing qualities about him is he's not 100% healthy at any time. So for him to take a move like that was pretty remarkable. I thought the match was really good. Not healthy at any time and never was. Right? Exactly. <laughs> never was. Came out of the womb with arthritis <laughs> and has always been that way since. Yeah. But Ethan Page gets the victory here. So he moves on in the tournament. Eddie Kingston gets the loss. If you look at the tournament on paper, one could argue that Eddie Kingston was the biggest name in this tournament. So he's already out first round. We've seen Eddie Kingston have the friends do the intervention because of his anger. Now here's more fuel potentially for that anger by losing to Ethan page. What do you think happens with Eddie Kingston here? We're getting somewhere with Eddie Kingston. I think this is another slow roll for the AEW 
you know it's this is kind of what they do with some of their undercard things where it's not necessarily somebody they that we want to call them undercard but we'll get blips during the show for several weeks of we're hinting at something a la the elite thanos videos that we'll talk about and then mm-hmm. this where they're like hey eddie you all right dude hey eddie you should talk to somebody hey eddie your friends say you should talk to somebody now eddie oh, damn man you can't even you could like you're getting worked up on by fucking you know what i mean like oh you get like what what's up yeah does he snap or does he like does he Retreat. try to see the light and does he or, try to act right? Do we get an or, Eddie Kingston who he's going to try? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I think the two possibilities are he snaps. Everyone in his life gets pushed out. I'm a man that's walking alone. Fuck everyone. I'm scorch earthing everything in AEW. Or, and I would think this is more interesting because it was very interesting when Hangman Adam Page d- did it. But obviously it would be different because Eddie Kingston's different than Hangman Adam Page. But the retreat of, okay, then fuck it. I don't want to be here. Then this is all sucks. I don't like it. And then his friends take a different approach where it's, hey, you know, hang in there. And he's like, I don't want to. And then we could get that story told. I think that's more interesting than just, I'm mad. And then everyone's going to feel my wrath. We've seen that a hundred times, right? And Eddie Kingston can do either one exceptionally well so it's not as if that happens i'm gonna be mad i just think it would be more interesting if he does the well i can't win a fucking match all my friends think i'm psycho so you know what i'm out of here this is fucking bullshit and maybe not like undertaker goes missing and we do a a naked gun search like uh, leslie nielsen did but we may do a where is eddie kingston he's at the bar right like I think that would be interesting. Again, told differently than Hangman, but still something to the effect of self-reflection. I like the idea. I like the idea a lot of, of yeah, Eddie Kingston battling his inner demons because, again, that's... That's what he does. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. Him. Right. All right, so Ethan Page wins. He moves on in, in the tournament. After the match, backstage, Renee uh, is interviewing Dark Order and Rooshbag. Mm-hmm. Johnny Hungy is the best with nicknames. Yeah. And we got to tweet the table about that. And I, yeah. I don't think I, I got a graphic for it, but let me find that while you're talking. Go ahead. Yeah. So Renee interviews Dark Order and Rush comes in. Jose says that Roosh is going to win the tournament. And when he will, he'll give 10 the first shot because he likes him. And then Rush says, think about the offer because I don't make it twice. Uh, Roosh, pal, you made this offer for about 13 weeks and before you it was andrade and we've just transitioned the storyline to you i'm about done with it homie um but yeah i think the thing that we got the most out of this segment was johnny hungy john silver giving us the roosh bag comment which was again a great line that pops you in the moment and you may want to start chanting it next time roosh wrestles but nothing that was going to move the needle as far as you have yeah. to watch it, right? Yeah, that was actually at, at Brian underscore J underscore Bay Bay who said, did I just hear Roosh bag? Hashtag tweet the table. And yeah, I mean, it just fits so well, right? And that could, I it, it could go so bad for a wrestler, right? Like Roosh to suddenly everywhere he goes start being called Roosh bag. But it could also maybe fuel 
something to that character that we haven't seen before. Because if I'm going to be honest, the presentation of Roosh here could have been, I mean, it's it, Wardlow. Like, it could have been Powerhouse Hobbs. Like, it's, it's, I understand, like, maybe not the Hispanic portions of it, but it's, you know, big guy comes in and beats people yeah. up, right? Like, there's not a whole lot going on here, so. Yeah, and I think, you know, breaking kayfabe, hearing what we did about Andrade trying to beat up Sammy Guevara, now Andrade's MIA, I think we had something planned where this was Andrade and not Roosh, so Roosh has kind of been shackled with kind of a piss poor storyline i think the dark order deserve a little bit better than this i think roosh could do something different if i'm being completely honest and i think i understand you know roosh coming from ring of honor he may not want to go back there but i'd rather see you there pal because i don't want you taking up my tv time on mm-hmm. aw anyhow funny that you had mentioned wardlow because he's in our next segment because Ari Davari is in the ring and he offers the services of his butler in exchange for the TNT championship, which is stupid. However, I do like the touch that Ari Davari goes, Hey, remember you were like a butler, but now you can have a butler. Huh? Well, I like too, that his butler was like, what? <laughs> exactly. Wait, we didn't talk what? about this. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. He's like, let's not be so hasty here. I understand that Ari Davari is supposed to be this, trust fund baby kind of thing the trust busters he has all the money in the world and i also will empathize that he was about to go into a match with wardlow however the thing that i will say about ari davari from just an aesthetic standpoint is when you see mjf that looks like money now you can say it's fake jewelry all this stuff right but it looks like money there's nothing that says money about ari davari except for this you know, stereotypical butler that just stands next to him. So be a little bit more flamboyant with your presentation. If you're going to say, I'm a trust fund, baby, I got money. Check me out here. Money. You want to hook this, you know, like it just, it yeah, didn't look I just, way. it didn't. Yeah. Again, I was like, who is this guy? I, I, yeah. <laughs> like, well, He's got a butler, but yet again, and he looks like every looks other like wrestler. Anywhere. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's the part. And I understand with this one specifically, I'm splitting hairs because he went right into a match. But everything other than this segment, I've seen him still presented the same way. And that's what my critique is. However, Wardlow comes out. Of course, he says no to the offer of the butler. And as he walks out, Samoa Joe's sitting there waiting for him. He's like, hey, pal, let's go out there together. And this, Tim got me the most excited we had some great promos the mjf promo 12 out of 10 we'll talk about the other great promos of the night but this part after wardlow does his power bomb symphony calls out powerhouse hobbs powerhouse hobbs walks out he's like i'll kick your ass what's up motherfucker and wardlow gets a little bit too big for his britches and says like you want this championship well i have this championship and i'm gonna take all the championships which then Samoa Joe looks at his belt and he's like, think you're going to take this? Splitting hairs again. This is all I'll say. This is why Ring of Honor needs their own television show. Because it wasn't as if Wardlow says, and then I'm going to win the Intercontinental Championship and the Universal title. But I think the comment was specifically about AEW and Samoa Joe has a Ring of Honor Championship. Again, splitting hairs. Nonetheless, that pisses off Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe then bashes him in the head 
and chokes him out. Meanwhile, Powerhouse Hobbs sitting there dumbfounded, still looking at the ring. He's like, well, I'll kick your ass too. So I liked it was like Powerhouse Hobbs had nothing to do with this. This was just yeah. Samoa Joe <laughs> snapping on Wardlow. And Powerhouse Hobbs is like, yeah, yeah no. I'll that was a nice touch. Suddenly yeah. they weren't best friends. Powerhouse Hobbs was just like, oh, yeah, that's great. I get it. Nobody likes him. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, totally understand. Yeah. If I was as close as you were, Tim, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I would have punched him in the back of the head, too. Yeah. I, fucking, I got a little bit more respect for you, but we're not friends. Yeah, so I like that. It wasn't a then powerhouse Hobbs, you know, slides under the ring, and then they're putting the boots to Wardlow, and they do a double-team move, and then they, you know, hand-in-hand hand leave the, the uh, ring. But it looks like, Tim... We're going to get three big meaty men slapping, slapping meat some meat. Yeah. At full gear. Yeah. Samoa Joe. Nice. Wardlow and powerhouse Hobbs. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I like too that Samoa Joe, this again, this wasn't planned. This was just Wardlow opened his big dumb mouth and finally said mm-hmm. something that annoyed me enough. He said he was going to take my title, and that's a terrible crime. It's not the worst crime. The worst crime. The worst crime you can commit is dick riding without a license. But, I mean, he didn't do that, but this was still an ass-beating worthy offense, apparently, of saying you were going to take his title. Like, he was saying, you're going to take my title. That means I got to beat the shit out of you. So I like it, and I like where we're going to get three big men just pounding, slapping the meat. Just all up against each other. Just whap, whap, whap. And here's the fun part. We could run this back at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view a couple weeks later. Because then we could right. say Samoa Joe's. What, what? He has a TV championship. We're going for Samoa Joe's TV championship. Yeah. Let's do this shit again. TV championship. <laughs> what TV station? Hey. TVS? <laughs> what of them? True network? I don't yeah. know. Discovery? Something? Yeah. You guys own a fucking Have you heard TV of SpanishAnnounceTable.net? <laughs> hey, hey. We'll, we'll host it. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the so, videos. Yeah. I'll put it up on the stream, Tony. Exactly. We'll talk. Yep. We'll do it. 100%. So after that, like I said, looks like we're getting a triple threat at full gear. I am more than excited. That is one of the matches I, if it happens, which I think it will, that is one of the matches I am over the moon about. But as we continue with Dynamite backstage, a really quick segment, uh, Renee interviews Jade Cargill. She's like, hey, I'm sick of Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose will see you at Friday. Okay, cool. Let's keep it moving. Now, we go back into the ring. Another fire promo here. Tony Schiavone brings out Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and then brings out Soraya. And Tim, in my opinion, this was as good as when Britt Baker... And Ruby Soho did their back and forth where it was like, you're just banging a guy in the back. And she's like, well, you're not a runaway. You got fired. That, that was this good, except for this had a little bit more. Saray almost cried two different times. Just talking about yeah. the moment of becoming a wrestler again. So what did you think? So I thought the moment was there. The crowd was into it. I thought they, they were doing good. The only thing that I, that I took from this is I don't Soraya is supposed to be the baby face and she didn't cut a baby face promo necessarily. She, for a while she was for a while she was, but then the moment she goes, 
AEW is my house. I feel like she sucked some of the wind out of the room because everybody was like, ah, no. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. You Like, no, it's not. It's Britt Baker's house. If we're talking about whose house it is. And then it kind of became that where she went on like, well, I did this and this and that. And it's like, okay. But that's not a justification for why AEW is your house because it's not, right? So then it was kind of, it, for me, it was kind of like, like that's touching and that's moving, but what the fuck does that have to do with Britt Baker and you, <laughs> right? Like what? So to me, I was like, great, not lost on me, like the emotion of it, I should barely get through it, and, and what that means from a broader wrestling perspective. However, for like, again, if I didn't know who Soraya was ever, and I'm watching this, I'd be like, who the fuck is this? Saying it's her house. I've seen her thrice. Like, what are we talking about? So, uh, not bad. And I think Britt Baker did her parts as well, too. I kind of like how she said, well, is there anything more fickle than an AEW fan, right? Staying true to her healed him, right? Like, hey, everybody loves me, right? Yeah, fuck you. You suck. So, <laughs> so I like that. So, I this is, yeah, this was one of the best segments of the night. And it was great to see. I liked, so the thing with Soraya saying it's her house, it's a you know, alpha female saying that she's going to be the top dog in the division. That makes sense. Everyone thinks they're going to be the top dog. So her saying that I get it. And she also said it in WWE. So she's got to keep it would maybe right? more, more sensitive. It's like, this is my house now. Right. Like well, you say that. Yeah. Well, but this is the thing when we're bringing in all these WWE people into AEW as baby faces, just because, Hey, remember me, I'm a baby face is like you said, that argument kind of falls flat when Britt Baker was here on episode one, was the first female. And I understand Soraya did do a lot of things where she wrestled in, uh, you know, arenas with five people. She couldn't wrestle just because she was female. She was doing revolutions before it was trendy. And all of those things were like, yep, 100%. I'm with you. But when you're doing it with Britt Baker, who we've seen blaster face, with broken noses, wrestle with broken wrists. It's like, this one is just as tough as you. Now, again, we're splitting hairs with, why well, couldn't wrestle well, but with But I also female. just, like, but Britt Baker didn't do any of that shit to you. <laughs> so, like, well, why are you mad at her? But, but the, the <laughs> argument would be better if it was someone on their high horse who didn't wrestle, right? If it right. was someone in AEW... And Jade Cargill is different because she's actually wrestling. But if Jade Cargill was having the baddies win her matches for her, and then Soraya comes in and is like, you're not the one that's really doing shit. It's me. That makes more sense. But Britt Baker ain't the one. She's the one that has the most credibility in the division. Because like I said, lights out matches with Thunder Rosa, broken wrist, broken ACL, well, and that's you know, just all it. the stuff. So again, a great match, right? You want to build, like, if Soraya's coming back, this is the person, you know, you want it to be against, and you want that to be a big match. I get that. But now I kind of feel like, man, this is rushing kind of a non-story to get there because she's mad at somebody who never really, like, I mean, yes, they've had a mini beef going on here, but, like, the angle's different. Yeah, it the sounds angle... like, it sounds like, yes, you ever like somebody's annoying and they said something a little off-putting to you, but you've had a really shitty week 
and you go, you know what, motherfucker, and you flip a table, yeah. you know, and oh, yeah. whereas like normally that would that's what it feels like. So now I'm again going back to like, do I really cheer for Soraya? Because it sounds like like you're taking it out on somebody when you have a when you're mad at mom and and Vince, Vince McMahon and, yeah. and all them, you know. And and that's where the the angle is wrong. The angle could be Soraya came into AEW because she saw what Britt Baker was doing and the rest of the women in the division, Nyla Rose, uh, Hikaru Shida, all these other females. But now she notices that the cancer in this division, the one holding it back from becoming the main division in all of pro wrestling is Britt Baker. We can get, we can understand that. You know what I mean? All the opportunities that Britt Baker's got even though she's earned them, you could paint the picture of why is it that every time there's a, a vacant title match, you're the one in there. Is it because you like Tony? Well, now I can boo that, right? You're like, yeah, fuck you. Why is that? You know, why is it that every women's segment has to have you either standing on the apron or in the match? I can get behind that. That's the angle we need to take. Just saying, like you said, Hey, other people have wronged me and I'm fucking pissed. What does that matter? That's to what a heel says. Baker? Well, yeah, but just a joke, right? Yeah. So the angle needs to be the cancer, the, you know, the line that I would use here, again, if I have the pencil, is I would say, Britt Baker, you are the appendix of the women's division. Yeah. At one yeah. time you served a purpose and now you, you need to You don't to even say that. You, you say like everybody talks about you as a pillar of AEW and, and like leading this division. But what I see is a division that could have reached greater heights if you weren't at the top sucking the rest of the life out of it. You're yeah, out here yeah. in every segment. You're whatever. Yeah. Like you're, you're not on top because everybody said you're on top. You're on top because you put yourself there and you won't fucking get out of the way. Right, like that. Yeah, and you could even say, do. you could even say, you earned your top spot, but now your time has passed, True, and yeah. I'm going to be the one that kicks you off the hill. Yeah, something like that. Again, very impassioned could, promos. Oh, there you go. You can say, yeah, you're great, but you're not an all-time great. No is, and I'm going to prove it. Prove yeah. it against you because you're not it. Perfect. And then there you go. It's then who thinks they're better. And we can always get behind that. And you can do either one, right? It's like, no, I actually like, Brit. you know, you could do the let's go Brit. Brit sucks. And so Soraya wins, right? Again, like we'll, we'll do predictions when we get there, but man, I, I don't know. Um, I really want it to be someone cost her the match. Just like, because how I don't do you even get want, her out? I don't even know if like, I kind of, I wouldn't hate if, I mean, I know we did this with, with Hangman and we did this with Eddie Kingston, but, like, she's coming back now. She's battled all these things. And she's like, all right, Britt Baker. And Britt Baker's like, wins clean for what a heel will do, you know? And then she's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> right? Like, shit, maybe I can't do this, right? That's what we didn't get with CM Punk, right? Remember CM Punk was just beating everybody. Um, we get the, you know, person coming back. Well, I can still do this. No. Eh, maybe not. Maybe not as easily as you thought. Yeah, I think what I would do, I mean, if I have the pencil, and we'll do our predictions when it comes. The way I would spin this is, uh, pertaining to the other match we'll talk about later, Jamie Hayter beats Tony Storm to become your champ, right? But she has to have someone to feud with. So what you do with Britt Baker and Soraya is you have Rebel cost Soraya the match with Britt Baker. Britt Baker wins. Soraya's pissed. 
Britt Baker at the end of the night, because Jamie Hayter wins is now focused on Jamie Hayter. Hey, bitch in this group, I'm the champ, not you. What the fuck? Then you do those two having a match. You have Soraya win a couple matches over rebel. Cause that's easy, right? That's credible. Get some reps in. We all love Soraya. And then in that Soraya gets a little like, I thought this fucking division was difficult. And then you can have a Tony storm go like, Oh, so you just think we're all chumps. And then you can do Tony storm and Soraya. And then again, the, the boogie woman in this whole division, unfortunately, because of an injury is thunder Rosa, wherever she comes in, we'll see what happens, but she's still out there in the, you know, in the stratosphere kind of hanging around. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But then after that, again, both solid promos, as I said on Twitter at table show, while I live tweet, which we'll see how long that lasts. Um, Britt Baker. Where's everybody going, by the way, all of our Twitter followers and all of our fans, like when you bail, where where are you going? Let us know so we can go there too. Cause we're not young and hip anymore. So we don't know where the things are. Yeah. And Elon just said that uh, Twitter might go bankrupt. So we'll see what happens. So where Um, are you guys going? Yeah. Let us know, please. Spanish now. Hey, there it is. (laughs) Hang out with us there. Um, But like I said, Britt Baker never misses for as all the talk you can say about overexposure and all of that stuff. When it's time to deliver the person in the women's division, 11 times out of 10 that you can count on is Britt Baker. She is outstanding on the mic. Anyhow, let's move on. Uh, We get a backstage promo. Uh, It leads to Trent versus Jay Lethal. Okay. Uh, Trent. So the thing I like about that is Orange Cassidy's back there first. He's like, don't hit my friend. And they they get to talking shit, and he's immediately like, "Well, that's why." Then this friend is like, "Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> just like I'll see yeah. you there." <laughs> just yeah. doesn't even let him finish. Love it. Well, I like though too that we ended that, but then in a real life, it didn't end. Another guy stuck around and was like, "Hey, scumbags!" Right? Like, and then he's like, "I'm sorry, what? Who the fuck are you talking to?" <laughs> right? Like. Like, I thought you were leaving with your other fucking friends. I like that aspect of it, too. But you're right. I mean, the end result was fucking what was we good. Jay Lethal and Trent. Trent Barretta. Yeah. Yeah. And Trent, I will say, for as, you know, of a pillar that we talk about, right? This new company, who's the foundation that we're building on? Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, MJF. At one time, it was going to be CM Punk, but then that's gone. Hangman, Adam Page, all of that stuff. For the mid card, your pillar the one that if you fall down and you need to stay relevant or you're coming up and you need to get to the next level, Trent is that guy for AEW. He can give anyone a great match. He can make any story as quick or as long as you need. He's got his mom Sue there to where that can be in his back pocket. If something needs to happen and we need to have a fun moment. I just think Trent is someone who's an unsung hero in AEW. Definitely someone who I think needs uh, more appreciation or as the cool kids say they're flowers let's give the flowers to trent you hear that phrase have you ever heard that phrase hey let's give them their flowers yeah i've heard that yeah the fuck does that mean just say appreciation or credit it idiots anyhow it's a this thing. is a fun match what's that it's a stage thing it's like a theater thing that's just dumb um anyhow I think, no, I think it's like when you give flowers at a funeral, like, oh, like, you know, I don't know. Who cares? We don't need a semantics. Jay Lethal wins. Um, this was fun. After the match, Tony interviews 
Jay Lethal. But Sanjay grabs the microphone and he's like, hey, remember that surprise? This is the surprise. And then Jeff Jarrett comes out. And this is the thing I'll say. Full gear, we're getting Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett versus Darby Allen Sting. Why? Yeah, if it's on the pre-show, I'm fine with it. Hey, you want to get everyone a little excited? You want to get some casual fans? Be like, what the fuck? I remember Jeff Jarrett or I remember Sting. I get that, right? If you're putting it on YouTube to get 10 more buys, fine. But the dumbest thing about this whole segment was that like, Jeff oh, Jarrett. Hold on. Like, I remember Jeff Jarrett. Like, oh, yeah, he still looks like he knows, like, which streets to avoid so he doesn't get a DUI at night. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, that's true. But the thing that was the dumbest thing about this segment was that Jeff Jarrett cuts down everyone, takes a shot at Braun Strowman because of what, but he has the guitar and the guy is saying, wrap up. And you don't get the guitar. You don't shot? hit the guy with the guitar. That's why he was there. I mean, what the fuck was that? Unless it was legit. Unless it was like, Hey, I'm calling an audible. And that guy, yeah, he's like, not a wrestler gonna... and he can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, He's like, no, I don't give a fuck what you want to do in this segment. I'm out of here. Maybe it was that. I don't know. But it was so underwhelming. And our good friend Dustin Kaufman said on uh, some social media post, he's like, AEW's great, but they need to understand Jeff Jarrett ain't it. And I 100% agree. Yeah. I just, it's just blech. Blech. Again, like... The triad that is Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh was operating just fine. We weren't like, man, these guys lack a clear direction. Uh, we don't know what they're here for. Like, we got that. Like, they're packaged just fine. We just think this is ROH and it belongs, you know, the story should be told somewhere else. Because right now they're just kind of muddying the water. We weren't like, man, you know what they really need? A leader. <laughs> Jay Lethal is the leader, isn't he? Like, with kind of like it's him and Sanjay, they're kind of like partners, right? Mm -hmm. With Jay Lethal doing the work and him being the manager, and then they've got the bodyguard. And so, this this Jeff Jarrett thing just the fuck for what? For what? No, and, and also, like, I get heels have relationships for various methods, but like, these motherfuckers wouldn't be friends with Jeff Jarrett. The only reason they would ever be friends with Jeff Jarrett, like if they were in real life, is because at one point he was paying them money. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just don't. It doesn't fit. Here's here's outlaw in black. And a guy in a suit. And a and, seven and foot a, tall guy in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> the the only thing doing? I can think of, and if we're breaking kayfabe again, because well, I don't, you know, if we're. Thinking of it from that regard, the only thing I can think is that Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett had such a fun time tagging together for Ric Flair's last match that they said, man, we should do this on a bigger stage. Well, Jay Lethal, you work at AEW. Well, let me talk to Tony. Tony's like, oh, I'm, I like Jeff Jarrett from 2000. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. That, that makes sense. And that's that has to be the reasoning here is that they had a great time partnering together against Ric Flair and Andrade. And they said, let's run it back on a bigger stage. And we're doing this on full gear. But anyhow. Jeff Jarrett sucks. This. He's just, he's, you know, look, 
anyone who's listened to this show long enough knows my feelings on him. He is where storylines and companies go to die. And so I'm mad that he's in my favorite company because I don't want it to die. Moving on. Renee Young is backstage and she interviews Jungle Boy and Jungle Boy is talking about Luchasaurus and Christian. And he's like, hey, this ain't over. You assholes. You think you're done. You're moving on to this all Atlantic championship. Nah, no, no, no. On Friday, I've got a challenge for Christian and Luchasaurus and I'm going to tell them. So what do you think it is? Again, we're recording on a Thursday. Rampage is yet to air. We don't read spoilers because that's stupid. Uh, we don't go to the movies and read what the fucking uh, end is before we sit down. But with all that being said, what do you think this is? It's Gangrel. Um, ah! <laughs> it's Edge. It's, it's, it's Edge. Edge. That's yeah. What he, yeah, he it's Adam Copeland. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I don't know, but I kind of also, I don't want to say this, but the Jungle Boy is still missing with me. I'm still not attaching. I just like, I, he's still... And I, I'm going to give him time because AJ Styles cured this over the years, but he just still feels like he's reading a cue card too much. He's, he feels kind of like for all the, like people see him and they start cheering him and they want to do a song. He still finds a way to feel like the man charisma forgot when he starts talking. And I'm like, man, like we're still missing something, right? It still feels off. And so I'm just still not buying into it. I mean, I guess, you know, uh, you know, him saying like, well, you don't get to decide what this is over. All that fits. That's a face, you know, thing, but it just, I don't know. I, he I has care one, less, you know, he has one note that does well for him when he's doing the Christian is a bitch or what was that shirt that he wore? Christian is, Christian a, is pussy. a pussy. <laughs> yeah. He has that. And when he's like running full speed and he's taking Luchasaurus off the stage. Through oh a yeah. Table, I, don't, I don't think he's far off from finding but, a great package, but right. he's off. That's the thing. He does that speed great, but when it's just talk to Renee, he's not comfortable in his, his own skin, which like you said, at one point, neither was AJ Styles. It feels close to like Sid Vicious, right? It feels like, no. let me run that back. Let me run that back. Like, we're live, pal. Like, fuck. No, <laughs> it's not that. Not, not that a- bad. Not dumb, but like more of the just like, the like, Christian, next time, I'm kicking your it. ass, pal. Yeah. I think yeah. you had a good analogy. I think it's an AJ Styles. It's an AJ Styles, Styles yeah. Mm-hmm. Good wrestler, charismatic. You look at him, you're like, I like something about him. Don't know what it is. But then he talks and you're like, well, maybe I don't like him as much as I thought. But as you mentioned, AJ Styles now is someone on the microphone that you like to hear. So maybe Jungle Boy can get remember, to it. Remember when they were having AJ Styles when it, when we, we didn't quite know if he was fucking dixie carter <laughs> remember that story <laughs> that was pre him figuring out how to talk too which just made it even no, worse <laughs> that was the worst the worst but you know what wasn't the worst mm. this next segment <clears throat> we get john moxley in the ring ah yes and this this was the the only criticism i'll say before we get into the details of it is the tone and the message would have been better backstage i understand the live crowd wants to see the champion, John Moxley. The entrance is still getting over. People love it. They go crazy, especially if he walks by you. It's something to see. But what he said here and how he delivered it didn't feel like I should be in the ring. It was more menacing. It was more Jake the Snake draw you in 
and that just it, the the contrast of the fans wanting to cheer but then kind of yeah. being quiet just didn't fit for me but what he says here and again paraphrasing is hey the regal remember when we met and i thought i needed to be the fucking man so i was gonna kick your ass and what'd you do kick my ass so i found out where i was who does that remind you of and regal's like mjf and then mjf or excuse me and then john moxley's like hey i beat this guy before what do you think is gonna be different the second time around then he gets into you got clothes that your parents bought from jc penny or whatever which was a fun line you know but then he goes you call yourself the devil and this is when the, the promo took a different turn and he gets a little quiet and he stares right into the camera and he's like, I've seen the devil. And if you paid attention in the last year with his struggles with addiction, he ain't lying. Mm-hmm. There's no lies here. And <laughs> well, so and everything talking, prior in his life. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and so he's getting into this. I've seen the devil. I've walked with the devil. I've talked with the devil and you ain't it. That's when this is great and i think if we're all polling people and you're saying hey who mjf and and moxley what do we like about it moxley just like with the cm punk storyline that he did just a couple months ago he finds that angle where it's like oh fuck john goddamn moxley because when he takes that angle of like call yourself the devil i'm a man Mm -hmm. then you kind of look at mjf and like he's a bitch yeah you know i i do however i kind of so my criticism of this and it's one that i think i've noticed about moxley's promos without saying is sometimes they'll run a little long he takes a while to get to the point and this kind of felt like two promos like you said the earlier one of like remember when i was a fucking punk and thought i kicked everybody's ass and you had to beat my ass and that reminds us of mjf that's one promo Mm -hmm. then he got into a second promo of like you think you're the devil? Like, all that says is you've never fucking met him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because I've seen him, right? Like, you don't even know where he lives, boy, but I can fucking drive you there with blindfolded, right? Like, that kind of shit is, that is the one that makes you go like, oh, what's he saying now? So I kind of, if if there was, from what I would like to see is maybe speed that up. Get there quicker, like you said, and we don't have to spend this whole time in the ring we don't have to have William Regal standing there smiling randomly without saying anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like just, yeah, I would have got there quicker. But again, the substance of them was great. great. Yeah, I think when Moxley cuts promos like this, it goes back to during the pandemic. Remember his, uh, his excuse me, his program with uh, Lance Archer? Mm. And he was talking in the bar and he's like, I know one of these days someone's going to take me out. And that was long-winded but it was structured and then there was enough moving eye candy to keep you engaged. This promo with those bells and whistles, I think would have been the best thing of the night because the substance of what he said was all there. As we mentioned the first part, and you remind me of me second part, but you're a bitch and you better bring your guts. Cause I'm going to kick them out of you. I like it. It was great. Again, it was a if we're grading it, I give it an 8.9 out of 10 just because of the other circumstances around it and the length. Right. But after this, we get a video package again, Tim, and it looks like 
with the the images that were shown the elite are coming back and they're coming back at full gear we saw the clocks and the all the mechanics all the full gears all all the full gears yeah Mm -hmm. and then we saw the elite being erased and stuff so do you think the go home show is they show up hey saturday night death triangle bring those titles or do you just think death triangle cuts a promo lights go out lights come on hey we're the elite don't you all love us what do you think happens here or we're at full gear death triangles in a trios match that wasn't really built it's just like a hey and then out come the elite and they close to murder the death triangle and don't say anything. Walk yeah, out. that just doesn't. It's not on brand. That's perfect. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not that they couldn't do it. It's that the dorks who do BTE. They're shit talkers. Yeah, they are not. They would stand over and fucking hip gyrate over him before they would beat him up and walk out. So maybe there's some of that. They got Brandon Cutler spraying him down and fucking. Oh man, we miss Brandon Cutler, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, I miss Brandon. Yeah. Oh, Brandon. All right. After that, a uh, video package quickly shows Bra- Brian Danielson. This was another great promo where he's, I'm tired of being disrespected. I'm going to let it all out on Sammy Guevara. I'm going to kick his fucking head in. Yeah. And Brian, this Brian Danielson. Is the Brian Danielson that I yeah. want. I don't want any other version. Yeah, give me the I guy want... that looks like a homeless man who got mad because you fucking threw away a, a sandwich when you could have gave mm-hmm. it to him. Yeah. I want a man who thinks the conspiracy is all against him and he's out here to fight that off. Like right. that, Brian Danielson, the, a little bit of like the, the Sammy uh, Zane conspiracy theory, yeah. but without the humor. He kind of looked like a guy who was yelling at, at the mailman. For, for coming on his property when he was just trying to like put his mail in the mailbox. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you made like some weird ticks about him, like someone showed up three minutes late, so they got their head fucking kicked in or you would have to get someone who's not Tony Schiavone, but some interviewer oh. said the wrong word to him and he got his head kicked in. Like that would that's, be good. Yeah. If he just got on this rage of like, that's not how this is supposed to be done. Right. This is not how wrestling is done. Right. This is not how interviews are done. This is not how matches are done. This is not how. Right. And so, it, like you said, anything that goes wrong. Right. They're out of syrup and <laughs> catering. He's like, this is not how this is done. You you bring extra bottles. Of, and he just runs somebody across the table. Right. Like he just snaps, loses it. The first person he should go after. If we're running with this is the fucking AEW production team. Mm. This was another shit fucking performance from them all around. Yeah, we missed the Samoa Joe thing that we were talking about earlier. Oh, so we start off within the first five minutes as Max Caster's doing his promo. We see a camera shot of just the fucking ceiling. Then we get another shot during the same fucking segment where it's just shooting someone's foot. As you mentioned, we miss Samoa Joe turning on Wardlow, because we got to watch Powerhouse Hobbs walk down the ring, which was not needed. Then we do a replay graphic that didn't show a fucking replay. It was just the replay graphic, and we're still watching the same fucking match. We also, on top of that, when we do get to see Samoa Joe beating up Wardlow, we see the guy's 
fucking hand grabbing the rope as he's doing the shot. Fucking kind of high school bullshit is this, man? Yeah. Dude, how much money do you have and you're hiring fucking theater nerds, so camera guys? We could give you these results. <laughs> I fuck yeah, let me, I could easily do that. You want me to run the replay graphic and not show your replay? I know exactly yeah. the button to push. Yeah, look, I, I know how to make a live stream not work, so let's fucking do yeah. it. <laughs> Hire us for that. Like, fucking invest in the TV show. These stories are too good, and the talent is way too good to have this piss-poor fucking amateur hour bullshit around them. And it's not like they don't have money. Like, the Ring of Honor thing, when we're like, God damn, get some lights. And we don't know the financials or anything, but it seemed like Sinclair really didn't have the money to spend on lights. You know what I mean? Tony Khan has a dad whose fucking boat is used for movies when you want the evil billionaire on the on the sea. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they fucking got it. I And here's the other thing. It seems like Tony Khan wants everyone to be just nice. Hey, everyone, I hired you. Great, let's all have fun. And then when people start to get antsy, he's like, oh man, gotta go to the, the Jags game. They're going to Kansas City. Guess I gotta go playing to Kansas City. Gonna watch the Jags. Oh yeah, he might be in Kansas City this weekend. Huh? But he needs to fucking fire these people. Like they're not, I don't care if they're nice or they send you Christmas cards. They're not fucking good at their jobs. I've said this before and I'll say it again to anyone new listening. My grandma is the greatest fucking person on the face of the earth. She was hired to run Kansas City Chiefs and call offensive plays. She would be fired because she doesn't know how to do it. Like, what the fuck, man? It's so aggravating because WWE, when you watch their shows, it's so flawless and so pristine and great. But then everything else is dog shit that it makes you mad. It's just fuck, man. In your grandma's defense. There's a few times that the coaches of the Kansas City Chiefs can't seem to figure out the play call well, either. But that's this is not a football. Well, podcast. that experiment. Well, that experiment might actually uh, come to fruition if you look at the Indianapolis Colts just hiring a fucking center who's never called the offensive plays yeah. or any of. Well, I think the Chiefs just told us like hey, you don't need to run. We'll just <laughs> throw the ball yeah. eighty times and you'll at least get twenty points. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, different podcast, but yeah. yeah. Hey, Tim, let's take yes. a quick pause here. Mm -hmm. Let's clear our throat because mm. it's our favorite time. Oh yes, of the year, of, of the, the evening, of the yes. Mm. So it's right before the main right event. right before the main event, the very first match, right before the main event. So it's time, time for the women. Fuck yeah. It wouldn't look good on a shirt because no one would. <laughs> it's time for the women. That's a great shirt. Yeah. We we'll talk to one. Pro Wrestling Tees. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But in the meantime, you can get your Spanish Announce Table logo shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Spanish Announce Table. There you go. So we get Sky Blue getting squashed by Jamie Hayter here. And it was fine. Yeah. It drove the story of Jamie Hayter gets some victories. She He's looks like. Yeah, the number one contender. Tony Storm walks out because after the match, Sky Blue gets beat up. So we get that. Everything was fine. Nothing to really write home about. Now let's get into the main event. Oh, excuse me. After this, uh, Alex Marvez is backstage 
and he's trying to interview Ricky Starks. At this point, he's not. He's just like, hey, listen, sorry, I tried. <laughs> yeah. I tried. But Lance Archer is just beating the shit out of him. They're going to face each other off, yeah. face each other in this uh, tournament. So makes sense why Lance Archer would beat him up. Why is it? I like Lance Archer. I think the presentation, I think the gimmick of everyone's going to die is kind of fun. But you can't beat John Moxley in a Texas death match 11 months ago. Fucking do nothing, then lose to Hangman yeah. in another Texas death match, and then do nothing and then Lance Archer works great in a Hager type role for me where you're the muscle for somebody or you're you know you're a one-time opponent for the new baby face champion because yes the the presentation is fun the package is good he looks scary he acts scary but that is the entire depth of all of it right there's nothing else well you know what I would do and I liked it how he was first presented when we got to really see him on TV consistently, have him do the bidding of Jake, the snake Roberts, who is the most evil person in pro wrestling on the AW roster of all time. Probably Jake, the snake Roberts. Yeah. You know, have him do the, it's the Jake, the snake storyline. Yeah. But when it comes to fighting, it's Lance Archer. Well, and with peeling back the curtain, I don't know if he's healthy enough to run the road anymore. I think is what uh, it is. So, but, yeah, same thing. Kind of. I think what I was getting at is he's doing the bidding of somebody. Yeah, we need a Bobby yeah. the Brain type guy here who's actually feuding with. This is a great guy for a Stokely Hathaway when he doesn't have like the firm, right? These kind of characters where I, I I'm not going to do anything about it, but he's going to do something about it because everybody dies. Yeah, man. If you were to recast the firm. If you didn't, again, we're bloating that roster with just signing everyone who can have two feet and get into a ring, but you take out W. Morrissey and you put in Lance Archer, that's perfect. That would be perfect. Yeah, except he doesn't seem to fit with the other guys like the other guys do. Like, you can imagine the firm all dressed up in some suits or whatever, but like Lance Archer, well, I mean, maybe the oddball works, right? Everybody's kind of even scared of him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're going to unleash Lance. And we don't even want to do that. We can't get him back leashed up sometimes, man. Because that would make more sense when you go back to when the firm had their mission statements and everyone was like, I want the All-Atlantic Championship. I want the ROH, all that. And then Morrissey was just like, I'm tall. It would make more sense if Lance Archer's like, I want everyone to die. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like that would have been better. But again, also, I like W. Morrissey. He, he, He looks the part. I don't know if he's needed because as I mentioned with WWE, the Miz and Dolph Ziggler and all of the same, you know, Austin theory. Yeah. It's all the Powerhouse same characters could have been in the firm, but we're getting kind of W Morrissey and Lance Archer and Jake Hager. And before he broke out onto his own Wardlow. So maybe we're kind of, well, that's what I mean. We could take one of the ones we had, right? Yeah. So like Powerhouse Hobbs I mean. could have been the guy. Yeah. Brian Cage. Or Lance Archer. Or Lance Archer. Or Lance Archer. That's what I thought. All right, let's get into the main event here. It's two out of three falls match. Sammy Guevara taking on Brian Danielson. I actually like this. I didn't think I would. I thought this was going to be kind of paint by numbers. We're going to get us just doing normal yeah, stuff. Yeah, but believable strategy again. Uh, Sammy's like, hey, listen, I'm not going to win a fair fight against this guy. 
So fuck so a like, fair fight. A chair. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Throw a chair at right. your head. That right. was what caught my attention. I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Because when he lost, I was like, well, how's he going to win? And goddamn, he did. He won the second fall. But then Brian Danielson, all bloody, somehow he got his cartilage cut open or his eyelid cut open. Something happened to him. He's bleeding because that's the Blackpool Combat Club way. Uh, and then he kicks in. Like their logo was born of blood. I mean, you ain't lying. The action figure. Look at this. Here's a fucking action figure as I'm collecting these action figures. T-Mac Toy Wrestling on uh, Instagram, by the way. Uh, look at that. Even their fucking action figures bleed, you know? Um, but uh, It'd be Brian fun Danielson if you could like, put some here. ketchup in one of them and like squeeze it and blood comes in. <laughs> yeah. But Brian Danielson gets the victory here. What do you think? is the next steps i guess you know as much as i liked it and this was fun and we got it I just what? again jericho appreciation society blackpool combat club kudos though again I actually hate the idea of uh, till the end of time these two factions and whatever the bloods of the crypts you well, know they what are I mean? they that are that opposites right they are diametrically yeah. opposed to each other so them always just kind of bumping back into each other, like two magnets coming back together. I don't necessarily hate. I will say kudos. No fucking Chris Jericho this episode. That's true. Doesn't yeah. That feel well, we didn't have the whole rigmarole of the whole, like the whole team of Jericho Appreciation Society yeah. and all the Blackpool Combat Club. Because I do, I think like, like you said, they're, they are exact opposites and they'll always hate each other. So when we don't necessarily have a storyline that's really kicking off with somebody, you know, one of the members is in the back and one of the other members of the other teams come by and it's like, oh yeah, you're still a bitch. And then they fight. Just like how Trent did with Jay Lethal earlier yeah. in the night where he's like, you're a scumbag. Like, I like how he's like, you. he's like, you talk to me. He's like, oh, I get it. He's like, he must think we're scumbags. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. yeah okay. Now yeah. I see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. You put them in tournaments because AEW does tournaments a lot. You know, the semifinals is uh, Garcia versus Claudio. Yeah, I mean, this could always work for the end of time. So I don't necessarily hate that these two are always going to yeah, that makes sense. I just, I honestly thought this was going to be the time that Yuta might interject and say like, hey, Brian, fuck you doing out here, bud? Yeah. And something happens there. Yeah, but nobody but, even wants to inadvertently help Sammy. I know. Yeah, look at it. Like we've discussed this. Top five punchable face in wrestling all time. I, I mean, it's up there. It is up there. <laughs> up and there. this was actually really good because he has the the hatred of I want this guy to lose, but he puts on good enough matches to where you don't change the channel. You say, I fucking hope he loses. All right. But this is good. But he you keeps know? you wanting to boo him. He doesn't make you be yeah. like, geez, just get him off my TV. He's not like early Bradshaw. Or Jeff Jarrett. Booing, right? Or Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pre-JBL so, Bradshaw was the guy who was like, get this motherfucker off of my team. <laughs> this is bullshit. Oh no shit. No shit. So, yeah, that was AEW Dynamite. Next week is the go-home show, and then we get full gear. That's going to be a great time. It's on a Saturday night, which is great. Always love it. used to be their calling card, yeah. Yeah. They need to go back. Saturday nights is when you do pay-per-views. It's the best for old people like me because yes. then I can stay up and then sleep Makes in. You feel young again. Yeah, definitely. So that was our dynamite <laughs> coverage, Tim. We're gonna transition to WWE. WWE. 
All right, they had uh, the Blood Jewel or whatever it was over there in the um, Saudi Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Whatever. We could be somewhat careful. We're going to get a fucking <laughs> van pulling up at our house. <laughs> the shit hey, the people of Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah. No, no it's no that we're shit talking on the Kingdom of Saudi the Arabia is when we start having an issue. <laughs> right. But the government. Oh, uh, yeah. Can go jerk itself off. Because did you hear why MVP couldn't go to this event? Oh, he's atheist, right? Well, he was a Muslim, right. then turned atheist, which gets the death penalty. Yeah. And again, I will ask, why did you watch this event? Yeah. Why are we supporting the bad decisions from bad people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Answer me that. I don't have. I don't have the answer. But what did happen on this show? Logan Paul, I think, was the thing that sticks out the most. Had his wrestling match, and again, Logan Paul is not unathletic. We've talked about this. Logan Paul can do all the stuff, and he did all the stuff. I understand the narrative of simple-minded peons who think that both brothers are just YouTubers. Mm -hmm. It's the dumbest thing from simple-minded people that they can think. First off, the brother, Jake Paul, before we get to Logan, Jake Paul is training with BJ Flores. Look the motherfucker up. He's really great at boxing, BJ Flores, that is. And when Jake Paul doesn't really have anything else to do except for get better at boxing, guess what he's going to do? Get better at boxing because he has an athletic background. Now, Logan Paul wrestled a division one school. Do you know how fucking hard that is? Mm -hmm. Do you know how hard that is? Go yeah. try it. You won't fucking make it. Yeah. Like it is one of the hardest things to do in this country at anything, jobs, athletics, anything that you want to name. Being a division one wrestler is like top 10. Yeah. So like, we did that. Like you're a badass. Yeah. You can fuck so, a motherfucker up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I understand the, Oh, but they, have a youtube like they're fucking athletes right so that people get their mind blown that logan paul can do a kick up you guys well, and kind of what you said too athletes and also like he signed on for this too the, to where like this is a large portion of his day that he can work on it now right like this right, is exactly. he gonna commit the time to it and i've said this look I, i've said look if wwe is gonna go the route of this like wrestling with the stars where you go get some of these athletic guys that maybe can't do the sport anymore or whatever, and you and you cycle some of them in and out, that's fine with it. I you know, I I don't hate it, and Logan Paul is fine at it. Like, again, we've talked about this. Yeah, he did everybody's like, Oh my god, he did a buckshot lariat. Well, like, oh my god, you know who else does a buckshot lariat? It's like Hangman Adam Page and probably anybody else who fucking practiced it. Enough, <laughs> except for CM Punk, but you know what I mean? Like, well, anybody with an athletic, you know, acumen. Yeah. Anyone who's an athlete. But, like, it's just that. It's like, look, my son, if we worked on a buckshot lariat, would pull it off after a while. Like, it, the moves don't matter in the, in the retrospect, or in the idea of that, like, the story you're telling me is, I didn't even hate the one that they told me here. Logan Paul's like, hey, listen, Saudi Arabia's weird. They want to see me. I'm getting a title shot. What happens if I fucking land one lucky punch, right? Like, fucking, I'm going to try it. Like, that's, that, to me, it was like, all right, you guys made something out of nothing, right? You guys yeah. made something out of nothing. It's fine. It's a believable story. Here comes a guy, like you said, 
hey man, I, I'm no joke. I'm no slouch. I'm an athlete. If I can land a punch that'll knock someone out, it's tough to land that punch on you, but it's not impossible. So give me a shot, right? Fine. I just, I, I again, I, you should have pulled the trigger and had him win it for, if you're going to go all this way for me, because now it's just, okay, Logan Paul goes away again until yeah. enter, fucking, Miz. you know, whomever, Braun Strowman's mad and fucking, now we're going to get Braun Strowman versus Logan Paul. And how's Logan Paul overcome Braun Strowman? Fuck. God, that yeah, sounds so accurate. That sounds so accurate. Yeah, ta- yeah. timestamp this shit. <laughs> let's fucking let's see when it happens. Yeah, it's just the idea that people are shocked that someone with an athletic background can do an athletic match is well, laughable. And notwithstanding, I mean, yeah, he did it, but he also tore his fucking ACL, MCL, meniscus. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, he's out. Like uh, fucking damn. That's you know what I mean? Which again happens. I mean, that's not yeah. it's not to say he's unathletic or like it happens. Oh, but yeah, it just it's it's also it it shows that like I mean it's it's it can't this is where we talked about like the moves yes if I see Logan Paul do a buckshot lariat I'm like poof impressive right hit it clean even hit it real clean okay. like I can't do that I would fall on my fucking face and neck at the same time I don't even know how, how you manage that happen but I would make it happen but Logan Paul isn't the only one like. I, seven out of ten of the people could probably go out there on their first try and hit one after twins. watching doing it. You know what I mean? The twins, they yeah. could go do that right now. They could do it six like, times in a row. Sammy Guevara could do it. You know what yep. I mean? Like I, I just that's the thing is where I need the story. And, you know, again, I got an okay one here for the purpose of a match that I didn't expect shit out of. Right? Yeah. My my, my takeaway though is just laughing at the people who are shocked that this was Yeah. A, a, it wasn't a train wreck match. <laughs> like, right you give you give simone biles the same amount of time that logan paul had yeah to train wrestling serena and williams simone, yeah and and simone biles and bianca belair are gonna have the match of the year because it they're athletes they can do that and when you have someone who's good at wrestling like roman who could say stay down just stay down like it's not that i'm saying it's not hard it's impressive. It's, I think I said this last week, or maybe I just said this to you off air, but it's the major league baseball outfielder who does the diving catch. Yeah. Every major league baseball outfielder can do a diving catch. It does not mean it's not impressive. It also doesn't mean it's a top play yeah. of the year. That's the thing is you, he's meeting the bar for the requisite athleticism. That's that's it like yes it's impressive but i watch like part of the wrestling thing is you're a wrestler because you can do this stuff like it, it's the price of entry right? like you got to be able to do some of this stuff yeah I get it not everybody's doing it right like yokozuna wasn't doing one but mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying here it's just that yeah anyway uh so yeah i i would have i would have had him hit one lucky punch fuck it blow it up logan paul why not because then yeah, he can lose not? it back on Raw the next night or whatever. No harm, exactly. no foul. People shit talk Roman, but he's still the guy. And then he can run it back with a couple people and beat him up. You know what I mean? And you can extend this thing. Whatever. Yep. Speaking what of the bloodline, the Usos stand poised. This is Thursday night as we record this. Stand poised to defeat the New Day and thus 
have the longest reigning tag team championship run after you know uh, after having extended past the new days and they're thereby the new day is trying to defend their own streak by winning back those titles taking them from the usos this is i mean this should be a moment right like this is a modern day like hey you've had you know the new day was one of the it'll go down as one of the iconic groups here's the usos we talk about the battles they've had forever and now one of them had the longest running tag team things forever unseated somebody for decades and now Demolition. here comes here comes the nemesis mm-hmm. that always was right. It's like Cena Orton, right? Um, so yeah, I mean this feels fine. I, and I kind of man, I we were talking about this a little bit off air. I kinda, man, I kind of want the New Day to win it. Yeah, not that I'm begging for another New Day title run, and they're not doing anything new. But I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think the more interesting story is the new day wins and the Usos were this close to making history. And then that can roll into Sammy and Roman and Paul Heyman saying, why couldn't you have done it? You know, Mm -hmm. and then we get more interesting stories. Them surpassing the new day while it would be impressive, you know, from a storyline perspective, it doesn't mean much, but them gloating. I've seen 2 million heels gloat about an achievement. I don't necessarily want to see that every time. So I think the more interesting thing would be the new day to win. But yeah, the saga driven storyline approach would tell you new day wins this Mm -hmm. new day wins. this. It breathes more life into the characters of the new day that has been missing for a long time. The Usos then suddenly have all of the fallout that you said amongst themselves, amongst Sammy and them solo and them Roman and them all of it all of it becomes way better television if the new day wins this but we don't always go for what's better television that's you ain't lying there i actually want the usos to do it to break the record and this is why when you say tag team to anyone it's two people the thing that i've always not liked about the new day having the record and even when it was demolition because they had crush is it's not three people it's not this well Big E has a pulled hamstring so bring in xavier woods no it's two fucking people right they're the champions like yeah if one of you gets hurt then you can't go and that's why they didn't necessarily have a long run maybe because they didn't have a third fuck with them yeah so from a purist standpoint a wrestling purist standpoint (laughs) i want the usos because then it'd be like that's a real tag team yeah well speaking of third wheels mia yim is in the oc now (laughs) And here's what what a weird move. And this is the only reason why. Uh, yeah. I like that they filled the female yeah. role right. in this Rhea Ripley because it was getting so annoying. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be Beth Phoenix because of the shots that she was taking with the like RIP Beth and stuff like that, which I thought was pretty fun. Breaking kayfabe, though, you got one guy who's signing everyone with two legs where your husband works. And you're going to re-up with W, like, go there. Why didn't you go to AW with your husband? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you guys, I understand you don't want to be 24-7 next to each other, but the schedules of AW and WWE aren't necessarily convenient for a marriage. So, I don't know. That was yeah, because then they let her go. This wasn't like she needs to fulfill contract stuff, right? This is a signing back with, and yeah. maybe money talks. Maybe they offered more than. 
I know, but I mean, again, Tony Khan can't match. I, it's, it's, that that was the only thing that was shocking. Yeah, maybe was he like, wouldn't. That, you know, who knows? Yeah. Again, that's some of the stuff we don't know. But it right. just again feels out of place. Again, this is the original club, right? The OC. Mia Yim was in that. <laughs> like you guys got the band back together with new. I, yeah, I don't know. But fine, right? I mean, like you said, there was an empty slot needed for this story, at least. And she'll fill so it. So it was filled. Yeah, so she and she's good. It. Nothing's wrong with her. Yep. She's going to do all the things that she needs to do, so credit to her. Well, and we have seen something people have asked for since its birth. We've seen the death of the 24-7 title, apparently, where Nikki Cross, crazy Nikki Cross, tossed it in a trash can kind of i like that she missed it <laughs> yeah I know. it, made, it was yeah. more appropriate for the 24 7 title that she missed the shot it's not even worthy of the trash <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um yeah fine right again that's where i think like we get these triple h kind of does these like hey guys i'm with you but we're acknowledging that thing sucked right like so we throw it in the trash okay fine i get it you know but again well, it just kind of I don't know. I I don't know where we're going with Nikki Cross in the whole. Oh, it's the thing, but... it's uh, the 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 war games match. They'll all yeah yeah shit. yeah. That's fine. But my thing that I took away from this is Dana Brooke has to ask for her release. <sighs> yeah, she consistently gets talked down from Corey Graves or a shot taken by Paul Heyman in a promo where someone else takes a shot at her. And now they're like, hey, you're the 24-7 champion. Fuck that. It, and she just flexes and like I to me, just me, my my observation, not saying anything bad about her. I don't know her. She seems like a good person. I don't think wrestling's for. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think yeah. I don't think this is for you, pal. I think maybe the writing's on the wall. You should maybe look into doing something else a stunt woman i heard that's fun yeah i don't know just not this otherwise you know impact i'd be calling your name i don't know <laughs> i don't know I don't and maybe know. that's where she flourishes right maybe it's just the atmosphere or the environment but it just yeah, i don't know nothing's clicked with her well and the last thing that really stuck out on the wwe side of the aisle this week is we've got one of the few failed Money in the bank cash-in attempts. Austin Theory cashed in his money in the bank contract against the United States champion, Seth freaking Rollins. After Seth Rollins had announced he was doing an open challenge, which Austin Theory didn't answer, but came out and tried to cash his thing and was unsuccessful in that attempt. Uh, not bad company to be keeping with what it's John Cena and what Baron Corbin, I think, or something. Oh, uh, Damien mm -hmm. Sandow, maybe. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Poor, guy. <laughs> poor guy. Um, yeah, I but is this another one of the what I said earlier? Triple H going, eh, we hear you guys, you hated Austin Theory getting pushed, so fuck him, or is this leading to something even bigger? I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't care. <laughs> but what I think about this is 
we would talk so much shit about how Vince McMahon is out of touch. Look at him making a rash, you know, last second decision and how, oh my God, this thing is chaotic. What in the hell has happened WWE? Your Lord and Savior, Triple H, who has now taken over the reins of creative, puts on boring fucking weekly shows and then does this and where where's where's the fucking where's the pitchforks where's mm-hmm. the outcry nothing like it's all about your perspective that these these tribalistic fucking fans want to be about and i'm one of them i like AEW. it seems like a better fucking run company breaking kayfabe and like who i actually want to support instead of blood money sex offenders anyhow but from a creative standpoint that sucked that was dumb it made no logical sense it made no what happens next week cliffhanger sense it was dumb have them lose the briefcase you know what i mean if you want to just do something original have them say like i fucking lost it at the airport where the fuck is it and then triple h goes like hey pal if you don't got that contract you can't cash in and you just have them fucking run around the town doing like old you know godfather skits where the apa and stuff would be in bars and stuff like that's more entertaining than fucking being just a goof like it's just but no yeah. one fucking's upset no one right says anything about that oh well, no one's upset Mm-mm-mm. we like that bray wyatt's feuding with bray wyatt that's fucking cool hey guys there's a qr code it's his fucking face it's him talking to his face isn't that neat look qr codes oh hey guys rabbits and and uncles neat Oh god! Hey, there's also this fucking weird guy who like uh, attacks someone because he was getting paid for it, but then now he's not getting paid for it, so he's still attacking him, which gives the Miz the same fucking end goal that he wanted initially. Yeah, that fucking makes sense too. Oh, Triple H is taking creative to the next level. Oh my god, guys! Oh my god, guess who he's bringing back that they fired? Isn't that so cool? Get out of here. WWE sucks. It uh, yeah. still sucks. It still sucks. I, I agree with you. It's not, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not really digging it too much. But what I am digging is this show. And yeah. I'm digging that next week we'll be back here for episode 409. And in the meantime, you guys should go Pro Wrestling Tees by our shirt. The Spanish Announce Table.